for Tuesday, May 5th, 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, children seem to be less likely to get severely ill from COVID-19, but the pandemic could still have a profound effect on their lives. Children are very resilient. Will they remember COVID-19? The 19, uh, hopefully primarily is just a term and not the challenges that were associated with it are really going to be based on returning to a more normal life for children. Dr. Natalie Lane, medical director for the emergency department of the Children's Hospital of Georgia, joins me for a conversation about the impacts of COVID-19 on kids. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. We're still learning a lot about how the coronavirus affects children. There's a sense it's less likely to make most of them severely ill, but it doesn't mean they can't see bad outcomes. And they can still be vectors for the disease, putting other members of their families at risk, especially if they're not so great at some of the basic hygiene recommendations that we adults find a lot simpler, washing hands, covering our coughs. Here to discuss all of this is Dr. Natalie Lane. She's medical director for the emergency department of the Children's Hospital of Georgia in Augusta. Dr. Lane, thanks for speaking with me. Glad to do so. It's my sense that that diseases tend to affect children differently uh, than they do adults. Talk to me about what you've been seeing with your patients with regards to COVID. Correct. So it seems to impact children differently than it does adults. It is a little hard to completely understand the prevalence or the rate at which children are being affected because we are certainly testing fewer children. So just as in regards to a background to know, you know, how many children are really being affected, um, it is not really completely clear. But of those children that we have tested or um, have presented to emergency settings or to hospitals, it ultimately appears that they do not experience the degree or severity of illness that we have seen in adults. There still seems to be some predilection um, for those that are more significantly affected to be in the really young age range or with the patients that have underlying uh, chronic illnesses. Thinking maybe a little bit more locally, talk to me about what you've been seeing with with patients at your hospital. Uh, maybe talk about you know numbers, case severity, um, if any particular cases really drew your interest. 
there really are not that many children who do present to the hospital. And of those that do, a very small percentage actually appear to be suffering from any major illnesses that put them in the intensive care unit. Really, we've had maybe eight patients um, that I'm aware of. About three of those were seen in the emergency department but were discharged home without any difficulty. The other five patients that we hospitalized, one was critically ill and uh, did require intensive care attention with intubation, et cetera. The other four just needed supportive care. And of those four, only about uh, two of those actually had um, respiratory symptoms that required uh, support with oxygen. Talk to me a little bit more about kind of the the very young children um, and, and potentially risks for them. We think of these children still developing in many ways. Does that affect how they're able to fight off something like this? So um, just like with every other virus or illness, children who are relatively young tend to be more susceptible to illness in general. So it is not too surprising that they might be more susceptible simply from their immune response to illness. You know, they're in direct contact constantly with um, parents or other caregivers who are holding them, holding them closely, and you can't really um, protect them completely from people handling them and breathing on them. I'm wondering, are there other ways in which children are, are vulnerable and, and maybe different ways than adults, not not purely just those whose maybe bodies are, are still developing? So it's relatively difficult to convince children not to touch surfaces, not to touch touch their face, not to hug grandparents and hug, you know, parents. So from a developmental standpoint, it becomes a little bit of a challenge to kind of instruct and corral children to keep them from possibly getting uh, in contact with infectious sources. So that's probably one of the main issues with the younger children and and children in general. And, And therefore, you see some of the reasons for Schools closing down because it's just generally very difficult to control that type of behavior. What is your sense as to why children seem to be less impacted by this disease? So there's the million-dollar question. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of speculation regarding the why. Children are a little bit better protected. Uh, There is some speculation that because children are exposed and or acquire Um, illnesses that are very similar or carry some similarities to the coronavirus that they've developed some antibodies in relation to that and have provided, and it's provided some sort of protective mechanism for them. That is still speculation and not completely clear. Um, there are other thoughts that they don't have certain type of receptors that are more prominently seen in the adult population that seem to be a marker or a susceptibility for the older population. So those are the two main components. Um, And perhaps they just don't respond specifically to the virus in such a, a very vigorous manner that puts them at risk. That's not to say, however, that there is no risk to children. Correct. Um, it would be incorrect for me to say that children are not at risk for uh, getting the illness, but it just seems like at this point in time, reasons still unknown that they do not uh, are not experiencing the severity of illness that the adult population does. 
The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has recommended that face coverings be worn by all children two years and, and older in the same way that all adults should be wearing face masks, too. But that, to me, just seems like practically a potentially very hard thing to do and makes me wonder about some of the other considerations that come with trying to get children to follow basic good health practices. So how do you think about that? And maybe what what tips do you have for parents about teaching their kids the real value of, say, wearing a face mask or even something as basic as washing their hands? So I, I do think it's really challenging to try to instruct relatively young children. And I know under two, you have a little, perhaps a little bit more control. You can sit them in a carrier and keep them kind of protected and away from people who could be um, exposing them. But once you get into that, you know, three, four, five, six-year age range and even higher, it is very difficult to wear a face mask. I myself find it very difficult to wear a face mask. Even if you put a face mask on a relatively young child, are you really, are they really using it in the manner in which it's meant to be worn? So my comment about that is, sure, if you can get your child to wear a face mask and you are absolutely in need of going to shop or have an outing where the potential is that you're relatively close to other uh, people that you can't necessarily avoid a close proximity, then sure, have them wear a mask, try to make them aware of the fact that they shouldn't touch everything. You know, my advice at the present time still is to evaluate the need for a child to go to a place where they would be at risk. Um, and or a risk to others. You know, not everybody can not take their children on their errands, but reassess the need to have to take them with you. I don't want to uh, eliminate the potential for families and small gatherings, but uh, we know that gatherings where there are lots of people where space is an issue, it's going to be an issue for small children to uh, adapt to that way of communal exposure. And then how about some of these good hygiene practices, hand washing? I don't think I've ever seen a child sneeze into their elbow. (laughs) Correct. Um, You know, I think there are things uh, that now is a good time to try to train uh, children. It becomes that much more relevant, but you're right. Uh, Children will be children, and unless you repeat those instructions, it's relatively difficult to get them to do things consistently. So, again, they are can be potential risk to others. So, you know, if you're taking them to places, then certainly um, the elderly are going to be at greater risk if they're exposed to a child who's infected. So, you know, making some decisions about where and with whom you gather uh, becomes relatively important at this time as well. What kind of guidance do you have for families with uh, with children when it comes to seeing maybe other members of the more extended family, aunts, uncles, uh, grandparents? Um, how should parents think about navigating those situations? I think the reality is um, is that you need to allow your families to come together for mental health reasons. Um, I think it's as important for the elderly who are isolated as it is for their direct family members. But I think we've lost a little bit of the concept of social distancing in regards to what it's it, what we're trying to achieve. Yes, we want to keep six feet distant, um, the distance appropriately, but honestly, the transmission of the virus is probably 
more intense or more likely to occur if there's close ongoing contact, right? So if you're you're in the same house with your grandparents um, and you're not sitting in their lap for extended periods of time, but you can still enjoy a quick air hug or eating a dinner outside where you can um, have a little bit of distance between you, then I think for the balance of putting reality out there along with some caution that we should be able to proceed a little bit towards becoming a little bit more normal in our daily lives. There's maybe this fear that if I have a kind of social interaction, if I hug my mother or a grandchild hugs their, their grandmother, that that is potentially just going to be some kind of fatal mistake. You know, it's, it's, it's not hard for your mind to go there. So, you know, we probably live through some of this every year with flu, right? Uh, we know that that's a relatively significantly transmissible disease, and both these diseases, both flu, both coronavirus, affects those far ends of the population in a very similar way. So we do need to be mindful, but I think a quick hug uh, within reason um, is is appropriate, and I think we should move towards that end. You deal with children regularly who are going through traumatic experiences. What kind of recommendations would you make to parents uh, to help their kids navigate this situation, the young child um, versus the teenager? The details become variable from age to age. Uh, certainly the one key element is for parents to remain calm in, in face of what's going on. You know, for young children, uh, say within early school age, uh, this is a somewhat fun time to be with their family members and they can enhance those environments and engage with their children and remind them that there is um, a bad virus out there that we all need to be aware of and we want to keep our hands as clean as possible and reemphasize those issues in relation to the illness. But that's probably about all they really need to know is that we need to protect each other by doing uh, good hygiene. For the older set, they don't need to hear all the death and dying, but they need to hear the reinforcement that children are safe. Their mommy and daddy are generally safe if they're healthy, but we do need to keep our grandparents separated at this time because they're a little bit more at risk. So we might get to see them, but we might not have to be have um, as close contact as we usually do. And a recognition that people are doing many, many things to help improve the situation. You know, mommy and daddy may not be able to do anything specifically about what's happening, but we're helping to decrease the opportunity for this virus to continue to spread. And we all need to take part in that. I'm just curious about the the kind of lasting effects we could see this having on children who have lived through this. I'm wondering about kids now who might not fully understand what's going on. They might know, know that something scary is happening, but they might not understand the contours of this. Can we expect this to have any kind of lasting effect on them, thinking about their mental health? Not sure that I can see in the future, but I do know that children are extremely resilient and um as long as their life returns to normal and normal really is going to school, that's going to, it may look different, it may feel different, but it is extremely important 
um, for children to recover from this by getting back to a more normal uh, life that they are more familiar with. Now, there is definitely a lot of literature out there that disasters impact children uh, disproportionately. But if you look back at those studies, many of those children had mental health problems to begin with. They also came from very not uh, very supportive backgrounds. So if children are surrounded by loving people who provide them that security, most of them will ride through this very well. So I think children are very resilient. Will they remember COVID-19? Hopefully primarily as just a term and not the challenges that were associated with it are really going to be based on returning to a more normal life for children. I ultimately think children getting back to their normalcy will ultimately result in the ability to ride through this pretty well. Dr. Natalie Lane is medical director for the emergency department of the Children's Hospital of Georgia. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. You can reach us with questions, comments, or controversy at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at S. Claude Whitehead. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. The world is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary. But when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org slash donate. And thanks.